Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. We are starting a new series today called Empowered. Um, we are a church, uh, you might call us a charismatic church, uh, part of the Vineyard movement, um, that kind of puts a little bit more emphasis on the Holy Spirit. I personally don't really care about being a charismatic church or even a vineyard church. Don't tell anyone hello on the webcam. Um, but what I really care about is being a church where we get to experience all of who God is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And sometimes the Holy Spirit gets a little overlooked, you know, as number three. We might run out of steam when we get to number three. I don't know what, what it is. But we want to dig into, in this series, the fullness of who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, it's my prayer that we love the Holy Spirit a little bit more. We understand Him a little bit more by the end of this series. And also that we walk in some of the giftings and empowerments that the Holy Spirit gives us. So that's where we're going to be going over the next two months. Actually, vineyard churches all over the country are spending the time from Easter to Pentecost working through this series together. So that's kind of cool. There are about 500 other churches, the five other vineyard churches in Massachusetts doing this exact same thing, um, digging into the, who the Holy Spirit is from Easter to Pentecost. So as we start in our Empowered series, you know, Empowered means to give power, to, to make things easier, specifically our, our Christian life. So as we start, is living the Christian life difficult? Is it hard? Is it, is it tough to be a, like, good Christian or, or whatever? Who, who thinks it's hard? Who thinks, oh, it's not that hard. It's, it's, it's easy. Okay, we're not working with 100% response rate, but definitely the votes are all on one side. It can be tough. You know, I'd say yes and no. Yes, it's, you know, it, it's hard. The moral imperatives are not going away. God makes some demands of your time, your money, you know, on your relationships. These are, of course, things that help us. And then I think, you know, it's, really hard actually if we're talking about things being hard not being forgiven not having the peace of knowing that that god is in control not knowing your heavenly father you want to talk about hard like the alternative is hard but then we have a high calling in following jesus jesus said you are the light of the world uh jesus said heal the sick uh cast out uh, uh demons freely you have received freely give well, that sounds like a really big job now. Difficulty does not mean that there's something wrong with the task. Difficulty means that the task is worthwhile. And sometimes we, we see a job that's hard. And like, huh, is this really right? It, it is. This is a task that is worth your life and God. C.S. Lewis wrote that the Christian life has not been tried and... Mm, found lacking. It's been found hard and left untried. There is a high calling following Jesus, but we do not do it ourselves. We do not do it ourselves. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today is the spiritual gifts 
that the Holy Spirit gives to us to empower us to bless others and to glorify God. That we minister, we show who Jesus is, we live out the supernatural things of the kingdom, not because we've learned the special magic trick, but because the Holy Spirit blesses us and guides us and gives us deposits of spiritual giftings. My life, frankly, would be different without fellow believers, without fellow Christians, using some of these spiritual gifts for my benefit, speaking really special words of knowledge or encouragement, direction, without some of these spiritual gifts. I think about about eight years ago, um, my husband and I were living in Providence, Rhode Island, young, childless. Sometimes I, I say we were single. Well, that's not true. We just didn't have kids. I, I think of it as single, but we were married. Um, no, no kids and, uh, working in Rhode Island. And we came up here to visit Rob and Liz. I think he very graciously let one of us share that day. And, um, afterwards, I was in, in the lobby and Sue Birchman came up. I don't think I had ever met her before and said, Hey, I, I had this picture of, uh, Your kids, who didn't exist yet, they were playing with Brian and Lisa Graves' kids up by the musical instruments and having such a fun time, and then they ran into Kids Zone, and um, you were actually living with Brian and Lisa Graves in this picture. Do you know them? They also have, uh, they have adopted kids. I said, well, that's interesting. I've never met them, and I don't know if they want me to live with them. Um... (laughs) But what she didn't know is that at the time we were trying unsuccessfully to also adopt children. And uh, it, it just stuck with, with us. And we did not plan our whole life around that picture. But it was very encouraging and affirming. They said, you know, maybe we should send our resume to Rob. And, you know, we did not choose the job entirely based on that. But it was such a confirming and encouraging picture that this would be a good place for us, for our children. Um, and it was just really out of the blue. Uh, she had no way of knowing these things about us or our life, but they've really been confirmed as we've gone through the last eight years. Spiritual gifts are important to empower us and to give us something beyond ourselves. All of us have a spiritual gift, as we're going to learn about in just a couple minutes here. We are not people who do things for God. God does things for us and through us. So let's read, we're going to read a, an example. And we've got an example of how to and how not to learn about the spiritual gifts. And then we want to use the spiritual gifts that God has given each one of us to bless and encourage those around us. So let's pray before we turn to Scripture. Jesus, we come today before you uh, with open hearts and open minds. Jesus, would you shape us in our thinking, in our hearts, in our priorities? Would you also shape our actions, Lord God, that we would be changed and transformed today? Would you shape our actions and our character, Lord God, that we would be people who move in your spirit? 
that your spirit flows out from us, Lord God, that we love others in powerful, real ways today as you have loved us in powerful, real ways. Thank you that it is not all up to us. You have paved the way for us. You loved us first. You have cared for us first, provided for us first. And so out of our spiritual abundance with you, Jesus, we want to respond and give out, Lord God. Thank you for your generosity, Lord God. As we talk about spiritual gifts, we never like question like, oh, am I good enough or do you have this for me? You are generous and you are powerful, Lord God. So we come to you as our generous Heavenly Father today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to start in the book of Acts. Acts is the story of the early church, like the history of the early church. Jesus ascended back to heaven. All of them get together and pray, pray, pray. The Holy Spirit comes, and they have this special empowering anointing. They start uh, proclaiming the message of Jesus all around Jerusalem, uh, doing the things that Jesus did, healing signs and wonders, miracles. They become the talk of the town of Jerusalem until the religious leaders say, mm, a little too much the talk of the town. Uh, they face some persecution. Stephen, one of their leaders, is stoned to death. And then uh, the believers from Jerusalem scatter um, and have to, have to flee. Starting in verse 4. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Why are you fleeing? Let me tell you. It's because of Jesus. And they share. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Now, Samaritans and Jews did not get along well. We might think that they're pretty similar religiously, but uh, Samaritans were kind of, you know, off-brand Judaism. And in hundreds of years of some religious differences, cultural differences, Racism, oppression, hatred had built up between the two of them. So the Jews in the epicenter in Jerusalem would have had some different ideas about the Samaritans. But Philip started preaching to the Samaritans there. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. It's really beautiful when Jesus works. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. Sounds like a lot of pressure to me. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. So they're in Samaria, which would have been looked down upon. Philip is preaching, ministering, moving in power. This is going really well. It's big news. News reaches back to headquarters in Jerusalem. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. 
As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, why didn't this happen like all at once, complete package? Usually in Scripture we see, you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit and Jesus are are real tight friends. It's all one package. It happens together. We are going to have a baptism, uh, and he is going to be baptized in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, all together. Why did they have to wait for news to reach headquarters them to think about it, pack up their stuff, journey over. I think it's like last Sunday when my kids had their Easter baskets. I said, wait, wait, wait. We all have to be together before you open these up. We have to ooh and ah over the chocolate Easter bunny together, admire, appreciate, whatever. Wait, we have to be together before you open this up. James, uh, uh, Peter, and, and John got to be there for this. They got to see what was happening. They got to witness and like verify and be part of this together. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you, for thinking God's gifts can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent for your wickedness, pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. The word of the Lord. So Simon says, Give me this power. Give me this authority. I don't think he was asking necessarily to buy the Holy Spirit. He was asking to buy the office of priesthood, the, the, the job title. Uh, kind of like you, you go work for a senior leader, you apprentice to them, then they give you your own corner temple after a long enough time. You buy into the marketing plan of this new religious movement. This is how the pagan priests would have worked. You apprentice to a, a priest, then eventually... Simon is working with what he knew. What he knows is power, money, attention, influence. Simon is used to working in a system of substitutes. Willie James Jennings says that Simon is an ordinary power broker in the world who has learned to live in the substitutes for life with God. If we fault Simon for anything, it should be for his intoxication with and addiction to power. John Chrysostom, early church father, says that there is a double lesson for us here. There's the lesson of the giving of the Holy Spirit, and there's the lesson of the not giving of the Holy Spirit. Both are instructive for us. Simon 
wanted the gift for his own use, the Samaritan Christians waited for the gift to use for others. The, it's, the Holy Spirit was given when they were waiting. They were open-handed. They were not grasping and, and wanting. The Holy Spirit was given in this like close, intimate time of prayer. Not when someone says, hmm, God, if you give me this, I'll give you that. The Holy Spirit is given when they're gathered together with the other believers in unity with each other. Not in like, how can I use this and get stuff out of this for myself? Simon had to learn some hard lessons and relearn his way of looking at the world and doing life. And I don't think there's any reason to, to think um, that he didn't repent and become an ordinary, good, normal Christian in the, in the church here. I assume that he changed, he repented, um, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and, and worked in his own normal, non-monetary, gainfully way. Um, he had to learn that the gifts are controlled by God, not controlled by people. Now, I love it when the Bible gives us examples of other people's mistakes, so we do not have to make those mistakes for ourselves. I, however, have not seen that many people offering to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. No one has come up to me after church and said, I'll give you a thousand bucks for healing, you know, three thousand for miracles. Um, I, I don't think, though that happens some places and they should have learned from other people's mistakes, it, it happens. What should we learn from Simon? What do we have to learn from him? We may not be trying to buy the power of the Holy Spirit, but I do think many of us try to control the power of the Holy Spirit. We try to use or not use for our own gain when it serves our purposes. We say, like, oh, now would be a real good time, and this would, like, be so spiritual and fit in perfectly, and I can just see it working, and mm, these people will be impressed. They, they'll like this, like, come on, Holy Spirit. Or, like, oh, I don't know, that would be awkward or embarrassing. I don't know how they feel about faith stuff. No, not now, Holy Spirit. We try to control the things of God. Maybe we can get something special at this moment, or... Mm, not now, God. Let's just keep it normal and ordinary. We try to control the things of God for our own personal gain in some way, shape, or form. Simon had to repent. I think some of us have to repent for that. Trying to meter out, to measure, to allocate, to use when it's good for us. So what I want us to do right now is pray real quick, 30 seconds. If there are ways that we try to grab power from God or refuse power from God, we want to lay that aside. That nothing in us is like Simon. That nothing in us says anything other than, Holy Spirit, have your way. So let's pray. Right now we pause and we say, Holy Spirit, would you have your way? You are God. We are not. Would we be 
just your vessels, people of love and grace, humility, who love you, who receive from you, and who freely give out what you have given to us. We repent and turn from controlling you. We repent and turn from being extra Christian at some times and less at other times. We repent for wanting to get your big shiny gifts when it makes us look good. We come before you just open-handed. Just open-handed. Jesus, will what we say and what we do be glorifying to you and building up of, of one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so what are these spiritual gifts? 1 Corinthians, um, Paul is talking to, again, one of the early churches, and uh, he's like, guys, I'm tired of all these questions and you guys being mis misunderstanding all of this and be like, mm, maybe he's got extra and I have zero, or maybe they're something special and different. It's like, no, 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 I'm going to set the record straight. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but one spirit. You get one gift, you get a different gift. There's one spirit. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Key verse. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice, like really a, a guiding word of wisdom, foundational principle, not from us, but from the Holy Spirit that just really speaks truth uh, to another person, that same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. So very concrete, like the guy in the red shirt or this time in college and um, very specific. The same Spirit gives great faith to one and to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. You get the power to perform miracles, you get the, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit, like uh, evil spirit. Still, another person is the, given the ability to speak in unknown languages, like some people call it the language of angels, um, a way of communicating with God that's beyond the limitations of English, Spanish, Chinese, um, when we communicate with God, sometimes language is like, we can't put God things into, into language, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. You know, in the next couple of weeks, we'll dig in more to a couple of these. We'll talk more about healing. We'll talk more about hearing from God specifically. So we'll dig more into this list. But do we notice, friends, how generous the Spirit of God is? He's so generous. And he comes with a plan. 
under my Christmas tree are gifts are labeled because I know that the gifts to my nine-year-old daughter are not interchangeable with the gifts to my 39-year-old husband. The Holy Spirit has a plan. It's not one size fits all. If you get a one size fits all thing, is it typically that quality? This is specific and tailored for you. And the Holy Spirit, he just, he comes in with the plan. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, this is perfect for you. This, this is what I got for you. You're going to wear it well, and other people are going to be so blessed by it. <clears throat> the purpose of the spiritual gifts is a dynamic equipping uh, for the purpose of building up the church and glorifying God. It is not to make you look good. You are made in the image of God. You already look good enough. It's for building up those around you. Christians, non-Christians, witnessing, encouraging, healing others, and glorifying God. The spiritual gifts function in love. Love is the operating system in which this works. Love is the, the oil, the grease that makes the engine run well. We use the spiritual gifts because of love, for love, with love, with each other. And then each of us has a spiritual gift. Some of us may have multiples, um, but all of us have at least one. Everyone here has a spiritual gift. You know, I think about... Uh, a number of years ago, um, I was leading these uh, cultural exchange trips. So I take groups of like 20 college students um, through Northwest China, and uh, they would always send me an American um, helper for the for the U.S. side because you know 20 college kids in a foreign country can be a lot to look look after. And uh, I was always very grateful. One year, I get to Beijing to meet the whole team, and my American helper, like, he just like. He didn't talk. He kind of looked down. I was like, we have six weeks together, and our primary task is to, like, network with all these college students and build relationships and communicate and talk. And, like, it's like, how is shit? Fine. Where are you from? Place, location. I was like, really? This is who you picked as the American side leader to help me? Um, but it's a, uh, it was a Christian program, and uh, we started praying. And then he started praying. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold the phones. He just, he prayed, he prayed with power. He, he would talk to people so, so well when he actually had something to say. I realized, you, it's not that you don't like to talk. It's that you only like to talk when you got something to say. They, they left, and months later, people were still quoting this guy. Oh, you remember that time when Kenneth told me and blah, 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 blah. Because he only talked when he had something to say. I really think he had, uh, from that list, what we would call uh, the, the gift of uh, wor words of wisdom. In his natural inclinations, the great way that God made him, he was not an extrovert. That was not one of his giftings. Um, but in the supernatural giftings of the Holy Spirit, he had these words of wisdom that were super powerful and impactful and really outside of his natural inclinations and abilities. You have a spiritual gift. I have a spiritual gift. How do we know what it is? 
Well, there are a couple of different ways. Uh, we did just do an all-church like survey, and uh, if you noticed that that, that survey that census, uh, I mentioned the spiritual gifts test. Uh, they are spiritual gifts tests. Um, if you email me, I could send you to Sarah at VineyardHopkinton.org, uh, Sarah with an H. Um, send your spiritual gifts test. You answer all these questions, what other people notice in you, uh, what you really gravitate towards. Get down to the end of this test, and then it gives you the answer. You could ask a couple of friends, hey, what do you notice in me? People notice things in you, you know, they, they've noticed things about you. What, what do you think I might be gifted at? Could be a good homework assignment. Um, I've taken, I think, three spiritual gifts tests throughout uh, the years. Um, it's been helpful to me. Uh, it's kind of a fun experience. Um, I don't remember what the results were every time, if I'm totally honest. You know how I've discovered what my spiritual gifts are? Just using them. Honestly, talking to someone and they're in a tough situation and there's like, oh, I'll pray for you. You just, you're compelled to do something and you don't quite know what and it's a little bit above my pay grade. So you just start acting and using your spiritual gifts, stepping out in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I have never said oh, I think I have the spiritual gifts of words of wisdom. I don't know if that's like false humility or whatever, but I feel like if I'm to claim that one, I should be a lot wiser in my own life or have things together a little bit better to to claim that one. But I've had many experiences of talking to to friends, to, to people in their confused or struggling or need encouragement and really just loving them and praying, you know, in my own head and then sharing things that were super helpful to to them, really beyond what I had anticipated. Um, I was talking with uh, uh, someone recently who's considering a career change and what's my purpose and life calling one of the younger members uh, of our congregation. So we sat down together and just talking about things and I just really like this person and uh, think that they've got so much going for them and I'm praying in my mind and just sharing some things and I thought, okay, cool, good conversation. They sent me a long text message afterwards. Oh, that was so helpful. Cool. I, I think that was a little bit of the gifts of words, words of wisdom. I, it wasn't things that I set up, hmm, what can I give really smart advice? I did not set up, hmm, in this Holy Spirit, I would really like you to gift me with words of wisdom. I was just communicating, loving this person, encouraging them, and the Holy Spirit stepped in to fill in some major gaps in my uh, career. There's a whole professionals who do this. It's not me, so the Holy Spirit stepped in to fill that in. I do not think that I have the gift of healing at all. But I've been around folks who really were were struggling physically, who needed healing, prayed for them, and have seen God really intervene miraculously in their health, in their bodies. Your spiritual gift is where love compels you to action beyond yourself. If you want to know what your spiritual gift is, I think the best advice I could give is 
Think about a friend who's hurting physically. Does love kind of push you forwards? And does the Holy Spirit pull you forward and say, I want to pray for healing for them? Think about someone who's questioning or, or, or confused. Do you feel love kind of nudging you forwards in the Holy Spirit saying, hey, speak words of truth and life to them? That's what your spiritual gift is. Your spiritual, spiritual gifts are alive and obvious when we use them. They're not to sit on a shelf and be analyzed or admired. It's like saying you can do 100 push-ups, you just haven't in the past decade. Yeah, well, I bet you can't anymore. Spiritual gifts are to be used, not admired or remembered or talked about from someone else. In the Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, Aslan, the Jesus lion figure in that book, appears as Father Christmas. And he says to the four children, he gives them presents. And their presents are actually weapons. And he says, these are your presents. They are tools, not toys. The time to use them is near. Bear them well. It's a word to us. If there's any imperative about spiritual gifts, it is not to count them or compare them. Not to wonder about them or admire them. It's to use them. It's to use them. So let's stand together, friends. I want to encourage us today. You have a spiritual gift. And you'll find it in the place where love kind of nudges you for. It's like, oh, that friend, that coworker. Yeah my spouse, my mom, that student. And when the Holy Spirit says, come on now, you got something good to give out. That's where we, that's where we get to know what our spiritual gift is. And that's where we have the joy of serving, not just in our own good ideas and intentions, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. So friends, Let's pray together today and let's commit ourselves to receiving and then stepping out. Friends, who here would like to use your spiritual gift to bless those around you? Amen. Amen. Jesus, we come before you and we say, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm willing. not for, for me, but to bless those around me. Jesus, would you give us compassion that moves us beyond ourselves? If we really have compassion for those around us, we don't sit around. We're empowered and enabled. Would you fill our hearts with compassion? Scripture says that Jesus, when he saw the crowds, and how hurting and lost they were. He was moved, compelled with compassion. Would our hearts be compelled? Fill us with your love. Fill us with your love. Would our hearts break for those around us who are discouraged? 
confused, hurting physically, emotionally, spiritually. Jesus, I pray for everyone here who, who raised their hand and said, yes, I would like to use my spiritual gifts. Um, we just, I pray really specifically for our opportunities in this coming week to just step out and try. Not just to be bold, but to be offering. Not to run and be like, ooh, ooh, ooh. But just to place it out there. Clearly. Jesus, we give ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you. And Jesus, I pray for anyone here who's not convinced that they have a spiritual gift or truly does not know what it is. I pray that you would speak your word of truth if we follow you, if we know you, if we have accepted you, Holy Spirit, that you do not come empty-handed or powerless. If there's anyone here who's, who's questioning if you have a spiritual gift, just put your hand over your heart and say, the Holy Spirit does not come empty-handed. do wait your direction, Lord God. Would you direct and guide us? Direct and guide us, Lord God. Um, would we be empowered this week to step out in words of wisdom and knowledge, in healing, in miracles, in faith, Lord God, to be your hands and your feet, to bless and encourage to build up those around us, Jesus, and for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.